and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are a Buffy podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Jenny. And today we are talking about the pivotal episodes of this wonderful series, Surprise mm-hmm. and Innocence. Yeah. It's a big day. These are really good episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're going to get into it and we're going to do a recap in a moment, but Jenny was just about to tell me um, some oh, yeah. fun things that she made this week, some recipe <laughs> successes that she had. And if you guys haven't picked up on it by now, I'm kind of obsessed with food and cooking it and eating it mm-hmm. and all of that. And so Jenny, I'm obsessed I, with eating it. Yeah. I will actually, you guys I probably don't it, know, but, but Jenny is so like my number it. two wingman in like eating my way across That's, different American oh, yeah. cities. <laughs> and I'm also your uh, sous chef. Yes. And I, but I have to pay you a cheese tax. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, I never get those anymore. <laughs> I don't, also, I don't know why I called you my number two wingman. Like, obviously, you're my number one wingman. Like, right, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, anything, hey. that I, like <laughs> anything that I cannot finish, I know you will be there to eat for me. Yeah. And it's such a wonderful relationship. <laughs> I know. I was just telling someone, actually, <laughs> okay, I told you a little bit about this, but we had our, uh, my office building had an ice cream day yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Much like pretzel day in the office. And like everyone legitimately was super excited about it. We're like, oh my God, we get Ben and Jerry's today in the, in the lobby. Uh, but well, since I was eating ice cream yesterday, I was like, oh yeah, my friend, I was like, I think we're, we're, we might be approaching like a, a hurdle in this relationship in that you want me to try soft serve around the city. And I'm just not sure I'm up to it. Don't worry. I just, I just, just want to eat ice cream I know. and gelato. I'm making a list for you, and it includes some real ice cream as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then I can do it. Um, but yeah, so I have, I've actually not been cooking as much lately, because um, my boyfriend was kind of taking the lead for a little while, but... That's uh, so nice of I, him. It was nice. Um, but yeah, some, you know, I often have, especially when I'm cooking during the week, it's like, I look up recipes, but if it's something I haven't made before, you just really never know how it's going to turn yeah. out. And I like, it's so frustrating when you like are excited about a thing and then it just comes out really bad. But I had the opposite. I just told you about this lemonade that I tried to make earlier today. I totally know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I made some really ill timed, uh, udon soup. (laughs) I'm like last, last Sunday. It's really hot here. It was not a good, it wasn't a good summer meal, but it was just really good. Alex had just bought udon noodles for no reason. And so I was like, okay, I'll look up something, but it was just like a really simple ginger, um, you know, ginger, like broth, chicken brothy soup, but, um, man, it was really good. And then, and I like fried up some tofu on the side. That Mm. was good too. And then later this week I made like little chicken tenders (laughs) in some almond flour. It was supposed to be almond meal, but I couldn't find any, uh, but they were also just really good. I think almond meal and almond flour are like the same thing, basically. I think the meal would have been a little grittier and would have been better as like a crust, Hmm. but you know, what are you going to do? Are you trying to eat gluten free? No, like, that was just the recipe a that I found. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. It was just the recipe. I, again, I think maybe I the meal would have had like a, a gluten-free soft serve tour of New York City. I don't know how I'm going to manage that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are my two successes. I look. I really look forward to making the udon again when it's cold. It's like so hot here again. It's disgusting. Well, I feel like you could eat it chilled, right? I mean, mm, I you could, but I just for me it's like. That's not what I want out of udon. I yeah. want it to be like a comforting, warm. Feeling. I guess the alternative is to make it just really spicy, so that mm. it kind of feels like it cools you down. Apparently, that's a thing that's supposed to work. I don't know. Mm. I've never found any of those things to be true. Something. I'm sweating all the time. I don't need any help. <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe that's why those tricks don't work. I've heard people also of like ordering hot coffee and hot tea in the summer. I'm like, I've tried it. I just makes me feel hot. <laughs> yeah, I've tried that too. It doesn't work. My grandfather used to drink really, really hot coffee when he would like <laughs> work out in the yard in the summertime. Yeah. And he always said it would cool you, cool you down. But like, I don't know. I, just, I feel like there was probably something else it. cooling him down. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> honestly, like I always wondered, like, I mean, people say that that works, like, cause you kind of yeah. match your like internal temperature to like the outside, but that doesn't make any sense because I feel like your internal temperature is always 98 degrees. So if it's 98 degrees outside, then isn't it already the mm. same temperature? Yeah. Maybe it's, like, hotter than that. I don't know. I don't really want to think too much about that. Me neither. Yeah. That's never really worked for me. <sighs> Suffice it to say, I look forward to fall when I can make soup and pull out all my blankets. I also, <laughs> I didn't have to go to work today, which was nice. I did a lot of laundry, and a lot of what I did was, like, wash all of my blankets. Nice. Like, in re- you're feel- getting ready for fall. Yeah. It was more, Yeah. I always mean to do that, and then I never really do, but just because I still haven't really unpacked, like, things like that, like, all my blankets, I haven't really unpacked or found a place for them yet, so I was just like, you know, before I even find a way to place to put these, I should just wash them, <laughs> so that five years from now, I can be like, I remember that I washed those once. <laughs> I just kidding. Wash I wash my well. stuff. Well, I, like, the blankets that you don't use all the time, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's true. I I'm should do it more. I the last time I washed <laughs> some of my blankets, and five I Five years was just a number I threw out there. I'm not committing to that, but... <laughs> Anyway, five years is like a fair amount of time to get things to like where you start to be like, I can tell this needs to be cleaned. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, mean, I like I'd to think like of to it as it like more just regularly. keeping myself in like a constant state of like um, immunity building. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really I'm cultivating some germs over here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, okay. did you enjoy your Friday? You I had did. a summer Friday too. I had like a half day today for my mm-hmm. summer Friday because I'm taking like two full Fridays off, like, the next two Fridays. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, like, split one between last week and today. So... Nice. I took, like, half a day. It was nice. Like, I just yeah. kind of, like, chilled out, watched some Buffy, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> tried to make some lemonade. It's partly <laughs> successful. <Yeah. laughs> um, I ate a lot of candy because, uh, much like your office, my office yesterday had a candy extravaganza or whatever mm-hmm. and I brought a bunch of candy home and now I feel a little bit sick <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess it what was kind successful. of candy are I don't you know eating? I just like literally ate an entire roll of lifesavers while watching Buffy so. oh man I love lifesavers my I haven't had one in so kind long of cut up right now though so yeah okay yeah um it's just like I can taste the blood it gets me in in the mood for like vampires <laughs> I don't know <laughs> That's so creepy. <laughs> on that note, do you like, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to very uh, subtly transition yeah, segue it was a nice segue. into um, actual episodes, speaking of blood. Um, yeah. I don't quite have like a, a punch bowl full of blood that's uh, that I'm dealing yeah. with. But anyway, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so a surprise yeah, in, let's in a do, sense. Let's do a recap, but I think we'll, we kind of talked about this before, but I think we'll yeah. do like, a combined recap, but we'll yeah, each take a half. Yeah, because this is essentially, like, a two-part episode. It is, um, yeah. Yeah. Although written um, by two different people, so... Oh, I didn't read that. Yeah, so I'm, I guess Marty Noxon wrote Surprise. Oh. Um, people might know her now as the creator of Unreal. And, oh, yeah. Um, 
She's the one that worked on Mad Men too, right? She's where, she's like a high profile TV writer now. Yeah, she is. And she's been on a lot of good shows. I think she's a showrunner now too. Um, mm. And then I think right. Joss Whedon actually wrote Innocence. The other one. I think you're right. That, I thought he wrote both of them, but I think I, what I saw just actually had both their names combined, so I must have been looking at at just some summary I of think, both of them. Um, so he wrote this one, and then I think that... Um, let's see. Did he direct this one? I feel like he was trying to actually make a concerted effort to look up some trivia for it this time. When, when I listened to the commentary on Innocence, he made it sound like he was directing it, but again, I thought I, when I read it, it wasn't he his did. name on it, he, so. so okay. he directed and wrote Innocence. Okay. So, which I, think I mean, he had sense. to have I mean, because we, yeah. It's a really pivotal episode. Yeah. Um, and because we know that he was embarrassed shooting the sex sex scenes. Wow. That was oh, really? <laughs> difficult to get out. <laughs> um, Is okay, that why well, it's like basically just like a big just white sheets. blanket or a big red blanket? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Um, okay. Well, we should get into it then because I do, I think I do know a little bit of behind the scenes stuff. And also these are just good episodes. Um, so I'm going to just kind of start with leading in. So surprise is like kind of the first part. And it's like, it starts off with Buffy having this really bizarre dream. Uh, she walks into the, you know, she is walking around her house and then she opens the door and she's in the bronze and she sees Willow talking to French to a monkey. And then she sees her mom who like asks if she's ready you know, kind of ambiguously and then drops something and then Angel shows up and then like right when they're about to reach one another, Drusilla stakes him and says, happy birthday, Buffy. That was a terrible Drusilla impression, but I really like that birthday, line. Happy birthday, Buffy. See, I can't do it I don't know. I don't know who's wow. who's worse. Don't worry about it. Okay. We are not actors. <laughs> um, anyway, so basically, you know, we've seen before that Buffy has prophetic dreams, so she sort of suspects that this means maybe Drusilla's alive. And she goes to check on Angel. Um, then we do, of course, we, the viewers know that Spike and Drusilla are still alive. And we get to see that they're, in fact, kind of planning their own special present slash party. I don't think it's really for Buffy's birthday, but that ties in Yeah, nicely. I don't know why they're having a party. They're just having a party. I assumed because it was like a I'm, I'm, I'm better healthy party. and alive party yeah, for Drusilla I guess you're right. or something. Which seems a little, like, rude when Spike's in a wheelchair. <laughs> That's true. She's kind of flaunting it. Um but yeah, so that nerd vampire brings her a box and they keep talking about the special present that they're going to have. And it turns out that what they want to do is put together this demon that had previously been like kind of, you know, somewhat destroyed and separated, his body separated. But he's this guy called the judge who can rid the world of humanity like very quickly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, once the gang kind of catches wind of that, they... Uh, decide that they're going to have to stop it, obviously. In the midst of this, we also see Ms. Callender gets a very interesting visit from somebody, and we kind of learn a little bit about her backstory, which is that she's not just the computer teacher at Sunnydale. She's, in fact, uh, part of the group of people that cursed Angel in the first place, uh, which is kind of a big deal and kind of a big reveal. But in the midst of all of this, also, the gang manages to have, almost manages to have a surprise party for birthday, uh, for birthday, for Buffy, uh, but she and Angel have to run off to hide the piece of the judge that they end up with. I'm getting a little bit lost here. But anyway, suffice it to say, they encounter Spike and Drusilla's gang. They run away. And after all of this, 
Angel and Buffy end up back at his apartment crypt and end up having sex. His apartment crypt. (laughs) (laughs) And then we see Angel run into the rain and scream Buffy's name. Yeah. It's very dramatic. And Buffy, like, sleeps right through that, obviously. Um, Also, he apparently was fully fully dressed to go run outside. Yeah. He was definitely naked in the first scene, and then outside he's, like, wearing pants and a shirt. Which Whatever. is interesting because he runs out like someone who like woke up in the middle of the night with like food poisoning and like yeah yeah he, he, when did he have time yeah I guess they should have just put pants on him but whatever that's neither here nor there so that's the end of the first episode and then we go right into innocence which you're gonna take on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so um, we we basically pick up where we leave off with Angel has. Um, he and Buffy have met the judge and had to run away, um, basically because the judge is fully assembled and very dangerous. Um, and um, so they have sex, and then Angel wakes up in the middle of the night, and we don't really know what's wrong. But then he basically like collects himself. He like calms down. And he's like, you know, he's like fine. And we see this woman approach him, and um, he basically feeds on her. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm fine. So we kind of get a sense like, okay, Angel's not fine. Something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, throughout the episode, like Buffy is searching for Angel because, you know, he left in the middle of the night. She doesn't know where he is. She's obviously like a little bit um, concerned because not only is there a blue demon after them, but also like they just had sex and like, you know, she doesn't know where he is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... We get everybody realizing, like, the judge is fully assembled and ready to go, and so they have to kind of come up with a way to stop him. And um, Xander comes up with this plan (laughs) that... So the whole thing about the judge is that no weapon forge can kill him. So Mm -hmm. Xander comes up with a plan, assuming that that doesn't apply to modern technology, Mm -hmm. and they're going to raid the army base and steal basically a bazooka (laughs) Yeah, Joss was saying Um, rocket launcher. Yeah, I also wrote bazooka all over my notes before I listened to the commentary, and I was like, oh, I guess it's a rocket launcher. Sure, whatever. (laughs) So the rest of the gang is, like, coming up with this plan, and in the meantime, Buffy is, like, solely concerned with, like, trying to find Angel and figure out what's going on, and then Mm -hmm. she finds him at his apartment, finally, and they have a very harsh conversation where he is, like, the worst boyfriend anyone's ever had it's so harsh and um she realizes something's like not quite right with him but she still doesn't know what's wrong she just thinks he's being incredibly cruel and like Mm -hmm. you know doesn't really know why and then um jenny because she um turns out she's part of this clan that cursed angel you know her uncle tells her that the curse has been lifted and angel Mm -hmm. is no more he's now angelus and so angel shows up at the high school and plans to like attack willow and her friends and jenny is the only one who's like hang on he's evil mm-hmm. so they kind of figure out what's going on they all slowly they figure out like this is not a this is not a drill like angel is mm-hmm. no more angel is evil angel is there to kill them um and angel's whole plan is like he's just gonna take down the slayer like emotionally like <laughs> by, yeah. like that's kind of his whole plan of this conversation that they have is he's gonna break her down emotionally so that she's not a threat physically and then he's just gonna swoop in and kill them all mm-hmm. um but then what ends up happening is they take this rocket launcher that they've stolen and they find the judge and um 
they kill him with the rocket mm-hmm. launcher, and it's pretty damn cool. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I fully support this gun on this yeah. show. Yeah. And it's I love that scene because Angel when and she, Drusilla mm. like so clearly know what's coming, and the yeah. judge is like, "What's that? What is it?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and in the meantime, we get a little bit of um, emotional storylines too, of like. Um, Willow finds oh, out right. about Xander and Cordelia mm-hmm. and she and Oz have their first date at Buffy's surprise party mm-hmm. um, but Oz, bless Oz is like mm-hmm. very clear that he is not going to be like some stand-in for Xander mm-hmm. um, mm. I think that's everything. Yeah, I think so I did a horrible um, job oh, with that that was not no, coherent I, at all I thought it was coherent <laughs> um, I guess the important thing being at the end she hasn't killed Angel. She right. isn't ready to kill him so he's She's, still around She's not ready to kill Angel, and he knows that, mm-hmm. but she just tells him, like, give me time. Like, she knows that eventually, she, if, she, if this stays the same, she's going to have to kill him, and she's right. going to have to get ready to do that. Yeah. I do wonder, is a little irresponsible letting him just yeah. wander off into I the wild? the same like, thing, yeah. <laughs> ready to kill a bunch of people, but hey, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and also, the backdrop of all of this is, it's Buffy's birthday, so I Buffy's know. now 17, and... Ugh. Apparently, this starts a tradition of her having really crappy birthdays. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, all of her birthdays are bad. (laughs) The next one's not going to be any better. Well, it'll be better. None of them are going to be as bad as this one, right? But bad. They'll all be bad. None of them are really going to be good. Yeah. So. um, Uh, Yeah. So So, this, like I was saying, is a very pivotal two-parter in the history of this series because... mm -hmm. I mean, now we've got, we are introduced. This is the big bad of the season. It's Angel, right. and we've got Spike and Drew there on the side, but, like, Angel, it's this definitely is, like Angel. I said, this yeah. is for real. Like, Angel is Angelus now. He's evil. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really pissed as hell that the Slayer made him feel anything for mm-hmm. her. Um, Which is one him. of the reasons why he's not just there. He didn't just kill her right away. You know, he yeah, want, he's, he, gonna make he's also seeking vengeance. Well, that's um, why we got so much backdrop of, like, how Angel operates, like, his M.O. Right. is evil, evil vampire. Well, because, right, that's a great point. Like, Even without their relationship, if he picked her as his target, this is what he would be doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but she's going to get it even worse because even of worse. their history. Yeah. Um, and we already know how bad it could be because Drusilla's in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of as a little constant reminder, you know, that, that she was maybe the last person. Not Probably not the last person. She was one of the people that he took the same strategy with. Well, and it's funny, like, she's very excited at the prospect of Angel mm-hmm. let loose on the town. And I, you know, it's interesting, like, he kind of makes this comment of, like, she knows him better than anyone. And it's mm-hmm. probably true. I mean, yeah. if you're his victim and you suffer through all of this, you know exactly how he works and, like, what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. we kind of get this um, conversation that Buffy has with Giles at the end of the episode where it's very explicit the way he's laying out in monologue essentially like what's going to happen that mm-hmm. they need to be on their guard and it's going to get bad and it's not going right. to be good and Angel's very dangerous and he's going to go after her in these cruel and terrible ways um, but it's and it kind of gives us like this um, not like mission statement but like it kind of gives us a blueprint of like what we're supposed to expect for the rest mm-hmm. of the season yeah no that's true it, it, I mean it's like we kind of have an idea of like what to expect because we've heard all of these stories of like what he was like before Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, we don't know what to expect at all. It was It's jarring to see Angel behave this way, you know? I mean, it totally is, but... Like, but even I, being knowing Beyond, it. like, him being the big bad of this season, like, it's very pivotal in that mm-hmm. from here on out, like, in the history of the show, this is always something that has happened. Like, Angel right. is dangerous, even if, you know, spoiler alert, things work out and Angel mm-hmm. gets cured again and... 
You know, right. he and Buffy, like, this is the end of their relationship. Like, because they can, or really, like, they can never be together if this is what happens when they're together. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. Yeah, like, we've got before this and after. after. Yeah, oh, so yeah. sad. <laughs> it really is. I mean, and theirs isn't the only relationship that suffers from this. Like, Giles very coldly right. tells Jenny to go at the end of the well, episode. Well, really, a lot of people have their relationships are all going through hurdles by the end of the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Jenny and Giles, but also Willow and Xander. And to some extent, Spike and Drusilla. <laughs> I think Yeah, I mean, they're, I think, you know, you can title, tell that, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. But like I'm saying, like the title of this episode, Innocence, is so mm-hmm. apt in that, you know, obviously you can make the argument of like, okay, Buffy and Angel have sex. Like she's mm-hmm. lost her innocence in mm-hmm. a way, but also like everyone's kind of lost their innocence to like, this situation yeah. or to what they thought was happening. Like Giles loses the innocence of thinking that Jenny is just yeah, this teacher that he met. Exactly. And that she was there for an entirely different set of reasons, which right. if you get into her whole being angry about Igon and all this right. stuff, I mean, that's so hypocritical, but um, you know, like he's not going to look at her the same way. And in fact, he kind of clearly chooses Buffy in this situation, mm-hmm. of, you know, if Jenny had come forward and warned them this might not have happened, now, to right. be fair, she had no idea this is what was going to happen. Yeah. She was just yeah, told yeah, to yeah. keep an eye on him. She had no idea, like, that the curse could even be reversed or right. what would cause it. That's a great point. Um, you know, Willows loses the innocence of, you know, thinking Xander is just kind of, like, constantly bickering with Cordelia and, like, mm-hmm. she kind of realizes the depth of, like, how much he is so not interested in her and, like, yeah. she tells him, like, you would literally ba- rather be with someone that you hate than with me. Yeah. Um, and that... Oh, so we have to go back. We have to go back to that. We, we do. And that um, deserves its whole own segment. Yeah. I mean, and... But, yeah, you know, no, those are great points. Um, yeah. I just think this whole theme of innocence... And it's it's great because you get this overarching theme and no one's constantly yammering on about losing It's true. They innocence. don't say it a lot. <laughs> I don't think they even said that word once, yeah. which is kind of a nice a nice pivot from some of the previous ones. Although yeah. I'd enjoyed it in Ted when they made a lot of robot back kind of jokes, but But, like, in Lie to Me when people kept yeah. constantly referring to, like, lies and, yeah. like, I wouldn't lie to you and, like, all this yeah, stuff. Just kind of like, we get it. Um... So I kind of want to just go back to the very beginning. Uh, well, first, what I want to say, I, I said this earlier, but I don't remember if it was when we were recording or not. But just like I genuinely watching these this time and I, these episodes are just really, really good. Like, I think these are among the best episodes of television that have been made. Like the whole thing, the way that it fits together, the way that they filmed it. I think they were really pushing the limits of like what's possible on this kind of budget, you know, but like I was impressed with some of the stunt sequences, like everything about it. Like it's sad, it's emotional, it's like plot heavy, but also like, I don't know, man, it just like every single piece of this work worked really well for me. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. so the show actually won an Emmy for innocence for me. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, the, wow. I believe probably for the makeup on the judge. Really? Um, <laughs> I mean, if of, anything, he's probably the weakest part, but whatever. I know, but like, that's I mean, funny. that's just, that's the cruelty of the Emmys and the yeah. show is that. It wouldn't show, have been considered I think, I think there was else. one nomination for Hush for writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. beyond that, it never got the recognition that it probably would have deserved. I mean, this is so much better than so much that was on network yeah. TV at the time. Yeah. Um, but they did get an Emmy for um, makeup for the judge. Yeah. Um, and also that innocence is Joss Whedon's favorite episode, apparently. Yeah. Um, now it's I not, I mean, it's such a good s- episode. It's my, it's like my favorite too. Now that I thought about it, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I just, 
I'm really floored. Like when I'm thinking about it, I'm getting really excited. But anyway, um, yeah. I mean, it's not on his list that I've been reading from because but those were ones because he did those it. are yeah. ones that he didn't write. So like he wrote and directed this one. So like mm-hmm. obviously he's got a soft spot for his own work. But I mean, uh, yeah. but I mean, I think it's the most quintessential episode of the series. Like it completely nails the like parallels to teenage life and monsters and like everything that happens to Buffy and but like everything that happens from like that Angel is doing to her it's so painful like and I guess even outside of that like we were talking about like with the Willow and Xander Jenny and Giles like all of it is just so well depicted that like I I mean I cry every time I watch everything always so it's really not a high bar but like I was really upset watching this one not in a bad way but like oh my god it's just so emotional and even like when you get to the end and like Joyce and Buffy are just sitting on the couch or when Buffy is having that conversation with Giles, like, it's not all bad emotions, right? Like, they're just being so supportive that it's just, like, I don't know. The whole thing, just, like I said, it's just, like, really fit together totally for me. Um, yeah, and I think... I really got off track of what I was trying like, to talk about, yeah, which is Buffy's they're taking but whatever. This metaphor, and this is, like, the ultimate metaphor of, like, you sleep with your boyfriend... It's your worst fear. turns into yeah. an asshole, and, like, we yeah. can get more into that in a bit. I don't really want to yeah. talk about it right now, but... But also that, um, you know, when people think about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they, they either talk about the season two finale or mm-hmm. they talk about these episodes because it's mm-hmm. like that whole thing is like, oh, it's the, yeah, it's that show where she was dating the vampire and then he turned evil. Like, mm-hmm. these are the quintessential, like, Buffy episodes. Right, right. And I think, again, like, we've been talking forever about how far the show is willing to go and this is, like, pretty far, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. ugh. Anyway, okay. So backing up a little bit. Uh, Buffy's dream. I think it's always interesting to talk about the Joss Whedon dream sequences because mm-hmm. I, among other, th- all the times I've seen dreams in TV and film, I do think that they're among some of the betters. I mean, nothing ever has fully captured what dreaming feels like to me, in my opinion, but I think these come pretty close to like, I really like that Willow is sitting there <laughs> speaking in French in the bronze. She did not have her tell, uh, telltale raisins, which is how you could tell this is a dream. But, um, <laughs> You know, I feel like in some of the, some earlier episodes, like a thing that Buffy and Willow do is study French at the Bronze. So, like, I, I just think that's a nice, like, it's just a good piece there to kind of root this in that that dream like mm-hmm. feeling, which is that you do have there is something about it is always really familiar, even if none of it makes any sense. Also, um, something that I I found that uh, when I was yeah. researching was that in French, she says to the monkey, the hippo stole your pants. Mm-hmm, I and saw so that too. <laughs> it's a callback to your conversation with Oz about the animal crackers, mm-hmm. where why is the monkey the only one that wears pants? Yeah. And then also, apparently the monkey is French, and so she's speaking French to the monkey, because all mm-hmm. monkeys are French. Right. Um, I did I not pick up was, on that. I had to No, that. me neither. <laughs> I, I think I kind of had like a vague, like, oh, sense, but mostly I was focused on like that they study French at the bronze. Um, yeah. But the interesting, the other part that I read about that too, I mean, I wish this had been my own realization and it wasn't, but that it also is like another clue that her dream is prophetic because she didn't see that happen. Right. So, but it was a real thing. It was a real conversation that Willow had that Buffy didn't witness. But yeah, but I mean, I just, I mean... That was actually the only part of the dream sequence I wanted to talk about, other than obviously the rest of it more or less comes true, either symbolically or in actuality. Right. um, I mean, so, I mean, that's the thing about her dreams is, like, sometimes they take a bit of interpretation. I mean, before she even gets to the bronze, like, we see her walking down the hallway and Drusilla is behind mm -hmm. her, and it's so creepy. But Mm -hmm. you know, like, okay. Like, and also... um, 
I I had to wonder if they were having the same dream or if like Drusilla was actually oh. dream because interesting later she's kind of like oh I dreamt this or something interesting kind of like like I think that she was seeing what Buffy was dreaming on some level like she kind of I knew. think that would make sense I mean she definitely gets visions yeah if she wasn't actively in it she would could probably sort of divine it. Yeah, but she kind of makes some reference to it, and so I was thinking, oh, she must have been dreaming some of that as well. Yeah, And also, you know, we see Drusilla spite, or stake Angel in this uh, dream, which mm-hmm. Drusilla isn't responsible for Angel dying right. at all in this, but in a way, Angel mm-hmm. dies a metaphorical death. <laughs> right. In that Angel is dead and Angelus lives. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, Buffy's right to be freaked out by these dreams because... yeah. And and that she keeps happening, having them, like that she has multiple dreams over the course of these episodes. Right. The um, other one being one that tips her to, tips her off to. Oh, Jenny is the one that knows what's going on. Right. Um, right. Which they nobody else suspects or could have any way to suspect really at this point. Uh, well, I guess at that point Willow also is a little bit weirded out about it. But um, but yeah. Um. <laughs> this is nothing to do with almost anything. But you know, so the scene that. In the in her dream, Buffy's mom drops a plate and says, "Are you sure you're ready?" And it's obviously to your ears that are tuned to this being an episode where she has sex. It seems like they're yes. probably going to have that conversation. But the way that it actually plays out in real life is they're talking about Buffy getting her driver's license, and that's just kind of an interesting thing that they throw in there because, as far as I can recall, Buffy never is going to get her driver's license. I mean, maybe in the later seasons she has it, but like she almost never drives. Like, and makes a point of it. Like, there's definitely some time where she she's running around town constantly, and she's like, oh, those cars, they're not reliable. Like, she sees, she's using her wooden stakes. She's not using guns. She's not going to drive a car. I just think that's kind of a funny thing that's like, sort of gets established here. I mean, I know her mom drives her to school, but we never really do establish how she's getting around town, other than that it's so small she can just walk everywhere. Well, and she um, runs a lot in later seasons. Yeah. But also, I guess... You know, we really only get one other instance referencing her driving. Um, And we never really got any indication before as to why she wouldn't have her license. And I guess I just would assume that it's because after burning down a gym, her mom decided, like, she wasn't responsible It was definitely a punishment, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Uh, Yeah. But, I mean, I think we do get an episode where Buffy is kind of, it's kind of about Buffy, like, trying to get her driver's license. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. But she doesn't get it in that one, does she? No. Yeah. But also, maybe it she takes dri- place like a year from this episode. <laughs> maybe she drives. Um, oh right, maybe she drives Dawn to school later though. Ugh, that's what I can remember. But regardless, I, I well, know. I'll keep tabs on it. But at a minimum, it's just kind of a funny detail. Is that like, even if she had her driver's license, I don't think she'd really be driving that much. Yeah. So I kind of want to talk a little bit, I guess, about the vampires. Um, okay. So like, first of all, the idea of like. Spike and Drew, like, sending out invitations kind of made me giggle a little bit. Like, <laughs> like who really is funny. on that guest list? Like, who are their friends that they're inviting? Yeah, that's And a why question. is she having a party? I mean, all of that's a little bit unexplained. But really, it's just kind of an excuse for Drusilla and Spike to get these pieces of the judge mm-hmm. together. It's never really explained how people found all these pieces. It's yeah. like he supposedly had been scattered to the ends of the earth or something. Yeah. Um, also, apparently, you don't need to actually put the pieces together. They just need to put the boxes. Yeah, in the I know formation. that. I, I mean, well, uh, that doesn't make any weird. sense. <laughs> but we Magic. have this idea that, you know, it's the end of the world of the week, essentially. So mm-hmm. they're going to raise the judge, and he's his MO is he, like, burns the humanity out of people, which essentially mm-hmm. would kill you. Yeah. Um, 
which is kind of a nice way to dovetail with the two parties, right? So we get, like, Buffy's plans, or friends planning one party. Oh, right. Spike and Drew having this other one. I thought you meant the burning the humanity thing, and I was like, I don't remember that happening at Buffy's oh, party. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. But, um, Just having a party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Agreed. yeah. But, like, they're having this party, and we kind of see, like, you know, what this guy can do. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a pretty scary villain. I mean, like... He just touches that vampire, the poor lackey guy who, like... Oh, the nerd, yeah. I know. He's, like, threatened to get his eyes poked out, and then he actually yeah. gets burned up by the judge. And also that Drusilla and Spike... Okay, first of all, who are these people on this guest list that they've invited? And also, they can't be that good of friends with them, because she's just offering up the entire guest list to the judge. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> I mean, people should know better than to RSVP to a party that Drusilla's throwing at this I mean, point, seriously, because <laughs> then she's like, do it again, do you it again. You know it's a risk. <laughs> Um, well, did you, I, so it's so funny because when I was watching this, for some reason, I convinced myself that that must've also been the actor that plays Rack because he has kind of same voice. No, it's but not. It's, yeah. But it's, it's the, the actor that plays Luke. Yeah. From season one, from like the first two episodes. Yeah. This is kind of funny. Yeah. So that's his claim to fame is that it's the same actor that played the master's, um, like right hand man in the first mm-hmm. two episodes of the show. And also that he always dies in the second half of yeah. the two parter. <laughs> yeah. He sounds like Rack to me, though. See, I think. I mean, that guy's also in multiple episodes. The same actor who plays Luke, he like definitely sounds like him. No, I know. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, I just mean that those actors sound similar to me. They don't look similar at all. So I should have known because his face is totally different, but um, his voice sounds the same. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Um, But I do also think the judge is. It's kind of cool that they introduce him in this way because then we get this very unambiguous indication that Angel is actually evil because right. he touches Angel and nothing happens. And he's like, there is no humanity in this one. And like, you so, can't, that's not like a lie detector test that you right. can fake. Right. Though like, I have to say, so I guess I said this episode is totally flawless and I'm not, it's not that this is a flaw, but like, again, what do, what is the distinction between souls and humanity? And I, I get it, but it is a little bit, I don't know. I feel like that part is a little bit, sloppy of like okay so why doesn't the judge just kill spike and drew i guess he's thankful that they put him back together but like why would he care about that at all and he like points them out right away as some of some vampires with like too much humanity like or he really is he's humanity truly what he what they say he is he should have killed that entire room of vampires yeah yeah like they're at a party with a punch bowl. They're full right. of humanity. <laughs> exactly, like, exactly. But I guess, or or I guess, actually, the flip side of this is that maybe that does, maybe that is the language that we've been needing, or like I've been needing to kind of make this distinction between like vampires don't have a soul and vampires don't have any personality. Because like clearly, as we've said oh, multiple times, like that's obviously not true. Although it is, I mean, again, what makes Angel so different? Why is his so stripped out of him? And I mean, it's, it's not true, true for the every other vampire really that we if, run like, into. Spike and Drew feel affection for each other, mm-hmm. and Spike clearly cares. I guess the difference is that then Angel also cares for humans. What do you What do you mean? Like, Spike and Drew care for each other as vampires, and but they care about each other. But like, they could care less about humans. Like, humans are food; they're collateral collateral damage, like all this stuff. But Angel, I guess is cursed because he cares about being evil. He cares about people, humans, not just like, he doesn't just have like mild affection for like another vampire. I'm super confused. (laughs) I thought you were saying like, what's the difference between like the humanity of Spike and Drew and like Angel's curse? Oh, no, no, no. I, I guess I was sort of saying that I was saying that a little bit. 
But I guess my bigger question is when he turns to Angel, why is he so much more evil than every other vampire that we meet? Because clearly losing your soul isn't enough to make you quite like that. Well, but I guess I don't we, think that's really a mystery that ever gets explained, you know? Why, why would he have no he, humanity? And also we find out later that, like, I mean, he was he was with Darla for a really long time. So, like, is it because she's not in front of him that he has no humanity? Because I think he does still have some of those traits, even as Angelus. Maybe, just but I think that's the thing things. about Angelus, right, is that he was always just, like, whatever demon that is Angelus is just a particular nasty vampire. Like... He's yeah. just particularly evil. Like, you know, he mm. toys with his victims in a way that other vampires wouldn't even bother to take the time. I mean, look, look at Spike, for example. Like, right. You know, he comes in, he has no patience for ritual. He honestly could care about nothing except Drusilla. Mm-hmm. And Angel, even for things that he hates or loathes or just food, essentially, like, he wants to play with it. He wants it mm-hmm. to hurt. Like, he's especially evil because he... He's not just evil because he's a vampire and he's evil. He actually takes real enjoyment in the evil, I think. I just wonder what about human angel pre-turning made him this way. <laughs> I, I mean, don't feel the, like the show ever answers that question. I don't think we're supposed to think it's about the human angel. I think it's just because, again, well, that's like it's fine. supposed yeah. to be an entirely mm-hmm. different creature just with the same memories. I just, Okay. Well, you know that I don't subscribe to that. I know, system. I know. They're never. And I just think it, it, it and I feel like this is one of the reasons why, you know, why I struggle with it. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense given all of the evidence that we've been presented with. Angel is such an outlier. I mean, I guess it's fitting that he be an outlier when Buffy is as well, but in my eyes, and you know, obviously also, I know that we don't all agree about that either, but like, I just. To go along with your theory here, I mean, like we do see human angel at various points, and he's not a good guy. Like, right. But he wasn't pretty evil. useless. He's just he, useless. He wasn't evil, but he's not like, particularly good either. Like, yeah. There's nothing in whatever human memories that he would have to indicate that, like, he was going to be a force for good on the yeah. earth. So. Yeah. Hmm. And I think then Angel with a soul, Vampire Angel with a soul, the reason he is good is he's got 200-plus years of guilt, but right. also, like... Theoretically, you would learn from living for 200-something years. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not the useless boy sure, that he was sure, when sure, he sure. turned. But really, he's not his human self at that point either. No. It's not as though he reverts to that. That is interesting. Hmm. Okay, I mean, well, nevertheless. Right, then I guess, well, I'm okay, so are there three the question, angels? is he his human self? Because... Where does the soul come from? It has to be like his human soul. So, but as a vampire, he still has that demon. If we're speaking about it that way, but I think the soul has supplanted the demon. I. But I mean, then how does he have? Yeah, it is okay. Anyway, suffice it to say, some of this mythology is never really going to be fully answered or checked out. I guess it's weird that I'm, I'm. I only pick a part of that because of some of my other arguments. Normally. I have no problem for the most part letting a show just say what it needs to to get us to the plot points and emotional points that we need. So I understand why it falls apart. It's just the, what happens in the nature of, of fantasy and magic shows. But I mean, I'm okay a little bit. my disbelief at this point, I guess. I'm okay with it right now. Yeah. I just, you know, as I say constantly, I'm just laying ground. I just want to have these conversations now so that later I can reference them <laughs> when I just argue about Angel and Spike. Um, yeah. But, and also, 
also, I guess I just think it's interesting. I do think it's interesting. I, I do buy that an, an, Angel slash Angelus is the worst of the worst. I think that it, is, it makes for, again, a particularly compelling episode and season. Um, but I do think it, I, I, I do wonder if there is an answer or if we could come up with some sort of answer for what, why, what, what makes him so special. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway, on to uh, the rest of the episode. So a thing that I did like and totally was fooled by <laughs> is that in the, the way that the first half of this plays out is that we find out about Jenny's ties um, to Angel. And then immediately after that, she creepily suggests to Buffy that they like take a car ride somewhere. Yes. And even knowing what was going to happen again, like I've seen these episodes dozens of times and I totally forgot that that was a misdirect. And I was like, Oh God, what's Jenny going to do? And then they show up and it's just Buffy's surprise party. And I was like, Oh, that's right. You actually just play, you're just being your normal Jenny self right now. But I thought that was a fun, I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being misled, even though they were going out of their way to mislead you because she was being so creepy. No, it, like, it works really well because, mm-hmm. like, you've just seen this thing, like, you know, um, Jenny has just been told to, like, separate Angel and Buffy. Mm-hmm. She says she's going to do it. So she shows up at the school to, like, take Buffy somewhere, and you're like, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she's, like, <laughs> delivering Buffy to her surprise, surprise party. Like, it's totally innocent. Yeah. Although, and I also do love, like, everyone's, like waiting inside and Angel's like getting really impatient like, yeah. for the surprise and he's like where is she and then they like hear this like punching uh, <laughs> and it's like like I think she's coming and they hear like this punching and like fighting and then, and then oh to add to your um your weapons tally she spikes that vampire with a drumstick oh shit I didn't even notice that oh sorry uh that's great I'm keeping tabs for you I thought I was thinking about that today I was like oh I didn't pay any attention but um okay good to know yeah um and so, also at this party, we get Oz's intro. Yes, exactly. To His introduction to you. Mm-hmm. And he and takes it exactly how you would expect <laughs> that Oz would. So, yeah. Um, I do love how he's like, huh, well, that kind of explains, explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Joss, in the commentary for Innocence, Joss Whedon said he was based on a guy he knew in college. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which really? I kind of makes him even more delightful to me. <laughs> I like someone who is just that chill with everything all the time. Well, and Willow's all into it, that he was just so cool about the mm-hmm. thing. I mean, um, I'm really into Who isn't into it? I know. Well, he's just like, did anyone else just see that guy <laughs> turn into dust? <laughs> um, okay, well, maybe we should talk about Willow and Oz a little bit, because this is, like, this is a really good, ep- this is a good episode for them. Or, I mean, these are good episodes for them. They get to finally acknowledge that they like each other. They have the cutest scenes possible, imaginable, when he first asks her out. And he's like, oh, I'm going to ask you out. But I'm really I, like, nervous about it. I, like, every time I they know, have an interaction. I know, me too. <laughs> I, and, like, um, and that scene where, they're, like, he's, like, telling her that he's going to ask her out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm going to say yes. And then immediately she says no. no. I know, it, like, killed me. <laughs> but oh. then when she realizes that, you know, she could take him to this party. And Allison Hannigan, when yes. she's telling her, she's like, you could be my date. Like, yeah. she's oh, just my God, so that, cute. Like, I, that scene is just so adorable. And then she walks away and she's like, I said date. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. And also that she's freaking out because he's a senior Mm -hmm. and his boyfriend has to remind her, her boyfriend (laughs) boyfriend had a bicentennial. bicentennial. (laughs) It's true. But then also Um, later that like Oz does like her, but he's not willing to have Willow treat him as like a a second choice. Second choice. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like that is such a good It's very clear that she's, like, something's up with her and Xander. Like, she's pissed at him about something. And mm-hmm. Oz is, like, not going to be, like, 
her tool to, like, get back at him for anything. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like, died in that scene. I mean, it's, it's almost too much, but I totally love it. You know, like, he's just so perfect. And then, again, it's like, surprise. So I, so I watched the two episodes last night, and then today I watched Innocence with a commentary on. And I kind of thought, like, eh, what am I really going to get out of this? But there was a, So, like, one of the things that Joss was saying is that uh, he was the only person on the commentary track. And he was like, oh, yeah, I guess a lot of people, fans, were a little bit annoyed that Xander and Willow didn't get together. Like, people were basically, that was what they wanted. And so they didn't really like, they weren't responding well to Oz. And so he said that he wrote that scene specifically to win everybody over. <laughs> I was like, well, it worked, buddy. <laughs> I just, I just can't. Sometimes, I mean, who knows what I was like at 16. But like, if I had seen this when I was 16, I just, I think I would have been ruined for men forever. Like, who do you, who even, even having watched this in college, I was a little bit like, wow, that Oz, I forget how much I love him. I mean, Oof. having seen this when yeah. I was, like, 15, yeah. 16, I can tell you, I mean, you do have to realize eventually that, like, these are not people that exist. I, I mean, know. It's yeah. just, you know, I mean, but because Oz is also so preternaturally, like, just cool, right? Like, he, he really And I think is. a lot of that comes down to, like, you know, trying to imagine anyone other than Seth Green playing mm-hmm. Oz is extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously he's playing a character, but, like, he does it so well. He does. And... Oz just, like, from the moment he shows up, you're, like, rooting for him. Or at least yeah, I am. I was. I mean, yeah, me too. He's so much better than Xander in he so is. many ways. He's better than basically every other guy that ever shows up. I mean, Xander sucks, okay? Like, yeah. Willow just basically telling him he has gross emotional problems. And, like, he does. Like, he does. On any level, does he really understand why Willow is upset the way, no. like, she encounters him in Cordelia, that he didn't tell her that he's even, like whatever he's doing with her mm-hmm. at all. I mean, it's all, like, you know, he cannot be that oblivious the whole time that he doesn't know that Willow likes him. Yeah, and I agree. Also, that, like, they yeah. hate Cordelia, and he's just, like... <laughs> he's the treasurer of the We Hate Cordelia Club. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, I, and it was funny, too, because, so, again, so, or just kind of moving from Willow and Oz to Willow and Xander, I mean... We, we touched on this a, a little bit, but, like, yeah, that scene where she finds him in Cordelia and then tells him, like, you'd rather be with someone you hate, that scene gets me every single time. Like, that's just such a good line. It's so perfectly stated. And everything that she says and does from that point on is, like, again, Willow is just really mature. She's not above having feelings, you know what I mean? Like, she still has all the reactions, but, like, that she can pretty quickly put it aside because they clearly have a much bigger problem on their hands is I think great. Even if she's still, you know, making kind of jibes at him on the side, but like, man, she's just the best. She is. And he really is. And he is the worst. He is absolutely the worst because also such a low bar. Yeah. But also even like, so a couple scenes later, so they have this whole thing. He doesn't understand why she, he never, again, like you said, he never really figures out why she's upset. I mean, and she's upset about it on uh, multiple levels. You know, he didn't tell her, and they're supposed to be best friends. He would rather be with somebody that they hate, which is pretty fair. You know, that's a fair criticism to make. Like, it, ugh, anyway. Ugh. What I'm trying to say is that a couple scenes later, when Xander comes up with his plan, which is admittedly a good plan, he literally says to Willow, like, well, I think I need Cordelia for this one. As an introdu- the way, as a way he introduces his plan. Like, Xander, you didn't have to say it that way. You could have just said, I have this plan. I'm going to steal a weapon. I think we might need Cordelia to do this part of it. But, like, you don't have to say it to Willow. Yeah, why don't you I don't reinforce you. that you're choosing yeah, Cordelia Yeah, exactly. I was just Willow. like, you just are, you're just an asshole, Xander. Like, why would you yeah. say it that way? I mean, Willow's just literally, definitely... A, yeah. 
for all of these reasons, the MVP of this episode. And then not only for those reasons, but also oh, because yeah. she's the only one that figures out what happened. Right. So, like, and that's partly because she has information. Like, she knows Buffy and Angel were kind of talking about it. Sex yeah. And, like, all True. this stuff. But, like, she immediately figures out, like, almost mm-hmm. right away, like, what happened. And, yeah. like, why Buffy is so upset. And, and is like, it, I love when, like, yeah. Giles keeps pushing and she's just like, Giles, shut up. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know. She really is always... Or for so many seasons, at least, she really is the one who is just, like, protecting Buffy from everyone else's insensitivity, <laughs> which they seem to constantly be doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and looking out for her feelings, you know? Yeah, I mean, but Giles is there to train her and do all these things, but, like, Willow really is her best friend, and she really is there to, to, to help her and support her, like, emotionally. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> also, I do love her little burn, like, immediately after... Um, Xander's like, we need Cordy for this one. And she's like, fine, I'll get Oz. He has a band. Yeah. (laughs) That's really cute. (laughs) Uh, um, I guess let's talk about the plan a little bit, or at least the, like, rocket launcher. I keep wanting to say this. It's a good plan, but I, there's so much about this that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, the break-in makes zero sense. I think everything else I'm, well. make any sense, that means that when they turn into their costumes on Halloween, Xander turned into a real person. Like, who is this soldier that he downloaded into, like, he didn't just turn into a soldier, he's like, suddenly got the the layout of the base, Mm -hmm. the codes, like, all this stuff. Like, that implies, like, a very real person who like possessed him or something. Well, I think you okay. this. I think you're sense. making yeah, you know, that's a good point. Although I think one could argue that if Xander were to become a soldier, he would have to be at that Sunnydale station. But he's throwing around the names of like real soldiers and True. like commanders and all this stuff. It doesn't make like it isn't just like oh, yeah, I, bet, I, like, really I know how to use this weapon. It's like I know the codes that like probably change daily and like, hmm. like it just to me I'm like I this is the biggest thing that I have to like just let go because yeah. and this isn't the only time they ever try to come back to this and it no, just No, he's like, going to bring it up until he eventually forgets. <laughs> right. Also, if he really knows all this stuff, this is the first we're hearing about it. This well, yeah, that's There's what no I was going to say. That he wasn't like walking around bragging like I can assemble a weapon in yeah, like, that's a good point. or whatever. And also that he never brought it up when they probably needed these weapons previously. <laughs> Eh, I guess they're not really big on using military weapons, but um, it just is crazy that they can smuggle out a rocket launcher. <laughs> like, what is going on at that Sunnydale base? They are not I mean, up it's to snuff. Sunnydale. I'm just assuming if you're it's true. based in Sunnydale, you're not like the elite. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, or anyone good got killed off by a vampire. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I do think that it makes for a hilarious and really satisfying ending to the judge, which is that as he's going out, he's saying no weapon for, he's quoting his own, the materials written about him, which I I think is really weird. Like, why would he know that? But also he probably would. He's, he seems, it fits his character in my eyes at least, but yeah. He's reading his own PR. (laughs) He's reading his PR, yeah. Well, like it is a really satisfying end to be like, oh, of course when people wrote those things, the biggest weapon forged was a really big, cannonball but like hey we have bigger things now so um yeah yeah i do think that that's great although that make fire now (laughs) yeah again you know they blow up the mall (laughs) like did that not get written up in the papers and people not recognize buffy there with a rocket launcher i i I mean we obviously know that everyone in sunnydale sweeps things under the rugs but like that seems like a really big one to just kind of be like who knows what even happened there also, at the end of the I feel episode, like the population is like very good at repre- repression. That just seems like such a crazy thing 
you can't say like, oh, it was someone on drugs. Or I mean, you could, but then like, why are they trying to arrest her? Okay, so also like this military base is going to realize that they have a rocket launcher. Yeah, they can't have a bunch of them. And can't they just look at all the video at the movie theater and figure out that this girl like took their weapon and like they don't know like you're right. I mean, you really can't think about it. And they don't have the rocket launcher later, do they? No. Can you only use the rocket launcher once? I guess. I don't know. I feel like I thought they would have like given it back or something, but like maybe maybe they did. Maybe they did give it back. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the other just kind of funny thing is that, uh, so in the first episode, Joyce tells Buffy that they're going to go shopping for her birthday. And at the end of this one, she does make another reference to like, don't like, we're still going shopping. And I was like, no, you're not. (laughs) There's no mall anymore. (laughs) I guess they only blew up part of it, but I suspect it's closed at the mall or if they were at like the movie theater. No, it was both. Like it was like a movie theater with a mall. A mall with a movie theater. Mm -mm, It was both. There had clothing racks set up in some of it. And also... Having listened to the commentary, Joss referred to it as both. It was a movie theater and a mall. Okay. A movie theater in a mall. Well, I don't know if they blew up the mall or they blew up the judge. Yeah. And then yeah. it kind of triggered the fire sprinklers to come on. I just suspect um, that the mall is not open. <laughs> yeah. Also, okay, so the judge blows up and, like, pieces of him are, like, raining down. Mm-hmm. And Drusilla is, like, really not into that. Mm-hmm. Which I think wouldn't really be... I think she would enjoy having pieces of Judge rain down on her. Like, she's very into the gross things. That's true, but I think it was more so... She really doesn't like when things don't go to plan. Not to plan. Like, she's not a meticulous planner, but I could see how, like, she had a vision in her head and that got disrupted and she's not pleased about it. Like, I I feel like the way she reacted was her very, like, ruffled up... Like, we've seen her react that way before to other things. Like, Like, she reacted that way to the roses that she didn't like, you know? That's true. I think it was more that kind of vibe. It's not so much that she was grossed out so much as she was just, like, really annoyed, and that's how it kind of manifests. Yeah. Um, But how badass was that scene? Like, I know that you can tell that it's fake, but, like, them jumping over, the stunt people jumping over the railing, I just thought it looked really cool. (laughs) That whole scene is just so good. I mean, it's like, you kind of, because they don't really give away too much of what's coming before Mm -hmm. it actually happens, Mm -hmm. but... You know, they come off the elevator, the judge and the vampires are ready to kind of annihilate all these people, and then you see Buffy standing, you know, she's got her crossbow standing on top of, like, the concession stand or whatever, mm-hmm. and she looks like a badass, Yeah, and she gets that rocket launcher, and, like, Drew and Angel know, like, game's up. Like, this yeah. is, yeah. This is <laughs> we need to get, like clear and the judge is just like he doesn't know because like in his mind weapons are forged like they're not he doesn't even know what these weapons Mm -hmm. are like he's totally behind the times and it is such a cool way to take out this demon like yeah and i think one of the few times where they do it with like modern technology yeah exactly they don't lean on that very much um so I I want to get into talking about the whole angel Buffy yeah, thing. Yeah, we basically avoided it. <laughs> I know, but I I, I want to do it last because I feel okay. like it's going to yeah, no, be a lot. But I I want to mention a little more about Jenny. So okay, oh that's a good point. Um, yeah. you know it's we get this indication like she's not who she, she says she is. She's she's not Jenny. She's Yana. Like mm-hmm. she's part of this clan that's cursed angel. And and we get this sense from her uncle that you know. They are really single-minded in this, right? They are, yeah. Like, they don't tell her enough information that would have prevented all of this. And her uncle seems convinced that, well, then that's just, this is the way it was meant to be. But, Mm -hmm. like, people have died. People are going to die. It seems really irresponsible and cruel to to not do this. But he makes this case of, okay, well, it's not about justice. Justice, It's about vengeance. And, like, vengeance is... 
like, it's not clean, it's not messy, it's not, you're not about, like, justice implies that right is beating wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So in Vengeance, they're like, he's like, basically they don't care what happens as long as Angel suffers. Like, everyone else can suffer, but as long as Angel is suffering for what he did, then that's fine. But, like, she's kind of collateral damage from this. She is. She loses her uncle. Like, her uncle gets murdered by Angel. Mm -hmm. No one really acts like they care because Mm -hmm. they have this other big revelation that, like, she's partly responsible for Angel. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, she's in no way responsible, but they sort of blame her for what happened to Angel. And they're mad at her, and she's just lost her uncle. She's still offering to help. Like, she's being, They don't want her there. They don't want her there. Like, I feel like they're being a little cruel to her, but at the same time, it's like, well, at the heat of the moment, like... I I mean, I just don't know how you could expect something else from Buffy, which is that also, not only did she lie to them up until that point, but even after it happened, she didn't go to her with that information. You know, she didn't say, this is what happened, and here's how we can fix it. And when Buffy says, can you fix this, she just says no. Well, that's the other thing. So... These people are hell-bent on, like, justice and vengeance and all of this stuff. But at the same time, like, mm-hmm. they've somehow let these magics be lost. Like, I know. Her, her argument is, like, those magics have been lost to my people. And it's like, that makes no sense. If yeah. you are so intent on vengeance in this way with this one spell that you are spying on this vampire. Right. You would know how to put it back. somehow forgotten the way to, like, that doesn't make any sense. I, I agree. forgotten how to do the curse that you're so hell-bent on monitoring? I don't buy it. Um, I agree, but I did like his speech about, or or I mean, I liked his explanation at least, right? Like, I do feel like that was the only way to make it make any sense of what they were trying to do with him because of, you know, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Like, because otherwise what they should have done is given him, given given him a soul. And then when he was not looking, you know, staked him, like if if what they wanted was to prevent this from ever happening again. Yeah. This is clearly not the steps to take to do that. And I do think it's interesting how little regard they seem to have for, the fact that now this is just going to happen to more and more people. Like, they well, really the only care like, about that one victim. But also, they insinuate that he, you know, again, as he does, if he picked a victim, he killed her friends and family as well. So, like, I don't know why they're so, help, like, so stuck on the one, the one woman victim, because clearly there were additional victims even in their own family. But whatever. Right. And also, to build in this spell with this loophole, like, mm-hmm. because if he is happy, then he reverts back to being evil, then mm-hmm. you basically erased the entire point of this spell. It's true, like, because you've not only allowed him to revert, but you've allowed him happiness, which is the only thing you don't want. <laughs> right, like, he not only did he experience happiness, but now he doesn't experience anything. He's not suffering at all because mm-hmm. he's happy being evil. Like, it right. doesn't make any sense, really. Yeah. I mean, again, but, or unless, know. yeah, like you said, unless they kept the curse. I guess if they wanted to put him in, like, a cycle of never forgetting how evil he is, then they could kind of let him lapse and then curse him again. That would make sense to me. But so then, to your fir- earlier point, though, then why on earth would they have lost the curse? Yeah. <laughs> they need to be able also, to curse him again, or else their vengeance has no, you know, it doesn't mean anything. That yeah. Does not, and that doesn't mean they were anything. assuming that, like, the chances of him falling in love were, like, pretty slim, which yeah. would not be, like, if someone's that damaged and, like, guilty and, like, depressed about their violent past, like, they, I don't think they usually do pursue relationships with teenage yeah. girls. So yeah. I mean, it is really funny the way that <laughs> ultimately the show defines one moment of pure happiness. I mean, pres- presumably he was a little bit happy when he's just hanging out with Buffy. You know, uh, I don't no. know. I, that's kind of a weird like measure, but whatever. You you cannot experience pure happiness yeah. unless you've had a moment of I like, and it's yeah. kind of equating like I guess like pure physical pleasure to like yeah. happiness, yeah. which is a little bit. 
bizarre. But I mean, they, they, they do make a point that it, it has to be Buffy, right? It can't just be anybody. Because later on, right? Like, they're gonna, people right, are just going right. to try and seduce him it, and be like, yeah. oh, if he I mean, just has sex, not, but like... But, but they later, but they get weird. very, like... Yeah. They don't make that distinction enough. Like, it, it starts to become this, like, equating of, like orgasm equals perfect happiness yeah, and like yeah. that, that, like, that caveat that it has to be with Buffy kind of gets shoved by the wayside yeah. a little bit it just kind of yeah. I mean I though one would assume that it kind of puts him off the whole endeavor because this is also I mean, turns out to be a pretty negative experience for him as well <laughs> right um but yeah um okay so I mean I guess just really getting into getting into Buffy and Angel yeah, <sighs> I don't know exactly where to start, but I do want to also say that so in the in the first half, when they're trying to stop the judge from being assembled altogether, you know, Jenny's trick is that she's she convinces Angel he's that he's the only one who can put this piece of the judge that they found far enough away uh, so that nobody can find it again and sends him off on this like months long journey. And then this is when so Buffy and Angel go to the dock and then that's where they get accosted by some of the vampire crew uh, but really, you know, I mean, I don't want to put this on them, but like their long goodbye is a little bit what allows those vampires to catch up uh, with them. No. Yeah. Like they're so distracted that they can't, I guess this is like one instance of like, okay, on the one hand, I'm really pro emotions, but a little bit, you guys got to be a little bit more aware <laughs> when like there's present danger, you know, that they're coming back after this. But this is just another example of like Buffy and Angel are so freaking melodramatic. Like That's true. Like, they're acting like it's this traumatic... I mean, okay, sure, it's traumatic. Like, you you love your boyfriend. He's going mm-hmm. away for months. You don't know how long. And she's right. Like, part of the thing is she doesn't know if this is, like, goodbye forever because True. their lives are threatened every single day. Right. So it's entirely plausible that he could still be off trying to hide this thing and she gets killed. And, right. Or he gets killed while trying to hide it and she... You know, like, that they never see each other again. Mm-hmm. I get that. But that's also on the tale of, like, that opening scene where she goes to his house after she has that dream mm-hmm. and they're just like making out and like they're so freaking like the music that's playing yeah their, their <laughs> attitudes they're acting like they're being like tortured like it's yeah. just like what the hell yeah it's a little like, bit much and then when she tells willow like she she can't not act on her feelings because what if she never feels this way again mm-hmm. and it's like you're 17 yeah like, that doesn't, like sorry you're gonna yeah. feel this way again Ugh, also, know. how awkward is it to listen to teenagers talk about having sex? <laughs> that scene really skewed me out. <laughs> I was like, uh. But also, I think it was handled really well. It like, was. Willow's not, like, judging her no, or shaming her. Yeah. And she's recognizing, like, this is a legitimate thing that Buffy's feeling. I they agree. both acknowledge, like, it's not an easy question to answer. Like, should, I mean, obviously, there's no risk of pregnancy or anything, but, like. Well, you know, I don't know if they know um, that. Oh, no, he did. He said that before. You're right. Never mind. Yeah, but, like, also, like. Who knows it's what kind of diseases vampires big, have? Yeah, I mean, who knows? But um, it's still, like, a thing to consider. Like, it's yeah. still a big step. And I, I like that they acknowledge that. Me but, too. Um, yeah, the, the whole scene is... And, you know, I mean, she she's not having this scene with her mother because, mm-hmm. you know, her mother doesn't even know about Angel. And, Probably you know, at the end of the show, anyway. like, all of this stuff has happened. And her mom is... I mean, poor Joyce. Like I she. Know. She knows something's wrong, but she still doesn't know anything that's happening. Yeah. She's still, like, giving Buffy the empty promise of, like, let's go to the mall and buy clothes. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, at that point, Buffy could care less about, like, yeah. her new wardrobe or whatever. Yeah. I also like how uh, this is not uh, – in that scene, so Buffy and, Buffy and um, Willow having this conversation and Buffy's – you know, when she's talking about how she's thinking about having sex with Angel, 
I, I like you're saying, I like it a lot, but Willow is really supportive. I feel like they're saying and asking the right things. But I also like that that gets piggybacked on Willow's scene with Oz when they when he asks her out for the first time. And then, like you noted before, when she walks away, she's like, oh, I said date. And I think that it is really cute that they let both of those not have equal significance because Buffy is the main character. But I feel like that's, it's nice that they also acknowledge that, like, you can also just be really excited about a date. Like, not everybody's at the same stage. And I feel like right. they're just being really positive about that as well. Right. Like nobody's nobody's making fun of Willow for only being excited about a date. Not that anyone would, but I just, I'm just saying, I think it's nice that the show gives us both, both moments back to back. Right. That not every teenager is dealing with this grand epic. Like, mm-hmm. Or that not every teenager is, is ready to have sex. Some of them are, are only willing, re- only just ready to have a date. <laughs> well, I think Willow has been ready to have a date for a while, but now she's realizing she can be ready to have a date with someone who's not Xander. True. <laughs> True. But I think she would have been e- equally squeamish about saying date about Xander. Yeah, possibly. Um... Um, but so yeah. we, but okay, so we do know that Buffy and Angel do have sex, mm-hmm. and okay, so obviously Angel turns evil, and there's that um, consequence of it. But that scene when she goes to his house mm-hmm. to find him mm-hmm. because she, he hasn't checked in, she's worried about him, and you don't see him at first. Like she walks in, like she doesn't know, and then you kind of see him walk behind her, mm-hmm. and. Now, I think this was a little bit for the audience. Like, Angel's got his shirt off, like, whatever. But, like, mm. you can already tell his the way he's carrying himself, his demeanor. Like, something's different. And, like, she runs over and hugs him, and he just kind of stands there. Mm-hmm. And then he gets into that whole, like, speech to her. Yeah. And it is so hard to watch. It's so harsh. I mean, like, he really is the most evil. Like, who... Yeah. He just... He completely nails every insecurity that she could possibly be having, right? Because like, he knows. Because he knows, as he yeah. tells her, like, it's not anywhere that he hasn't been before, and, like, he knows exactly what to say, like, what, like, a girl would be worried about after having sex with her boyfriend for the first time. Mm-hmm. And like, her old, especially her older, more experienced boyfriend. Exactly. Like, oh, like, I wasn't good. Oh, it wasn't what he expected. Oh, he was only in it for that one thing, and now he doesn't care. Like, those are all the things that you traditionally worry about. Yeah. He is, like, that boyfriend that turns into a giant asshole. Yeah. Ugh. Except, like, literally, he just turned evil. Yeah. Right? Which is, I think, like, this one instance, I mean, I think this is rightly why this plotline gets, is so well known about this show, is because, like, it is, like, the best metaphorical mm-hmm. thing. Or I mean, so, yeah. all these great metaphors, but, like, this one is, like... It's yeah, only like, even part a metaphor, right? Like, because all this stuff really is happening. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the only thing that's... I guess fantasy about it is that it happens that he's a vampire, but like everything mm-hmm. else about it could legitimately happen between any of the other characters on the right. show. I mean, true. Honestly, I wouldn't put it past Xander acting that way, but like, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, like it is really harsh to watch and it's really harsh what's happening, but like, you know, I think that's also like, you know, as we see, like that is part of his plan. Like he's going to take her down emotionally. Mm-hmm. He knows what to say and like how to do that. And it works at first. Like, I mean, she's like heartbroken. Like she goes home, she's like sobbing on her bed. Oh my God. That scene is also just oh. awful. I mean, I mean, Sarah it's Michelle so Geller perfect. In that but scene is so Yeah. Good. Like she's just so sad. And like, I don't know yeah. how you could watch that and not feel what yeah. she's feeling, which is just like utter despair and yeah. sadness and rejection. Like the most rejection one could get almost yeah. like, but and I, I really like that they let that they have that scene in there. I mean, I think it is really right, important to see that it's wallow in this thing that happened. Yeah, we don't just see her sad trying to plan 
how to defeat the judge is like, we literally see her. She has to take a moment to go cry in her bed because like she can't go face everybody. Yeah. And also I think like, like they kind of nail the like, you know, this happened. She's kind of embarrassed because yeah. it's like having the consequences of your decisions, like come yeah. literally come out into the open. You know, he's like, everyone figures out what happened and, and it's nice that they're not judging her. I mean, Giles's speech to her at the end is like wonderful. Yes. Um, but also, I mean, she allows herself to take that emotional moment to kind of recognize what's happened and mm-hmm. she did, she isn't like over it immediately, but like, you know, then she's in slayer mode and she's like, okay, well we got to take care of this. And, I do love that it's not like she immediately is like, she's like, I know what I have to do, but I do love that they don't make her immediately be able to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just like, okay, well, I'm going to, you're evil now. I'm going to kill you. It's like, no, I can't kill you yet, but I can definitely kick you in the balls. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's funny too, though, because as much as you say, she does quickly go into slayer mode because they have to deal with the judge. um, I do feel like the way that she's, she's acting in those scenes is a little bit more, um, dead than she normally is. Like, I think Sarah oh, Michelle no, Gellar... I'm not saying looked, she's, like, totally fine. I just right. think, like, she's recognized, like, she still has to be the slayer, but she's still allowing herself mean, to process yeah. it. And, like, I just mean to say case, that I think... Like, her, um, I just think that they do a good job of showing it, you know? Is that she is there, yeah. and she's doing all the things that they have to do. She's marching very seriously, but, like, she's not punning, you know? No. She's not having kind of the fun that she sometimes has when they're, when they're doing these things. Uh, she, she really is there to just do business and she has to focus so hard on doing that one thing because like, you know, she, I feel like that's where you get right. Where it's like, well, I have to focus on this one task that I have, that I can do because I can't think about the rest of it. But I I just feel like she plays it really well. She is. And we see a a very good example of like her emotions giving her power. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Yeah. I mean, she's also pissed as hell at him for like treating her this way. And so she beats the crap out of him. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and he knows she's not going to kill him, but, but also I think it's interesting that his, his whole plan is like, he's going to take her down emotionally, but like, I mean, Angel spent enough time with Buffy to know that like, that's not That she'll get over it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess he's banking on like, she loves Angel so much that like, this is going to be the thing that breaks her. But I mean, he's almost right. You know, she's never, even when it comes, I mean, you know, up to the finale, obviously we're going to now watch her get closer and closer to being ready to just kill him. But like, she's, I don't know. I just feel like even when she is, she's ready to do it. She's not ever really over the whole, you know, not obviously like that's just such a, that's such a stupid thing to say because like, of course you're not just going to be over like killing your first and one love. But like, I just feel like he's not wrong to, to do that as, no, as, but as I his think target and his method. Because she doesn't kill him right away, you know, we're talking about it's kind of irresponsible setting him loose on like, other people. But at the same time, I mean, this is Buffy and like the thing she cares about more than herself is her friends and her mm-hmm. family. And she is not actually willing to kill him over what he did to her, but she that's sure a great point. is yeah. going to become willing to kill him over when what he does to other people. That's a good point. Yeah. So, that's a good, uh, that's very interesting. I mean, that's what it takes, but unfortunately, I mean, that well, means people die, but I get, I guess the interesting thing about it is, is that as much as you're saying it's his tactic to wear her down emotionally, I think the other part is that I, I kind of said this before is that he's also like, um, he's he's trying to get vengeance on her as well. Like part right. of this, I think he is falling. He is going to get a little bit maybe outside of what his normal MO is because he wants to hurt her so much more than he's ever wanted to do that. He's out for revenge mm-hmm. as well as everything else. I yeah. Mean. But to that yeah. end, I mean, I could see how he's, he's also getting overwhelmed by his feelings. They're just in the opposite 
direction, you know? I think maybe, maybe he makes that slip up. Maybe he... No, I mean, it's true. I mean, like, everything we've heard about Angel, like, he's certainly creative, and we'll see episodes where he, you know, really is on his game, but he's also a little sloppy because mm-hmm. he's he is very emotional about this as well, just mm-hmm. not for the same reasons. Yeah. No, um, I think you're right. If he had never gone after her family, I'm not sure she would have been able to really do it or would have taken a lot longer. Yeah. Huh. Uh, something to keep thinking I mean, about, I think. we're set up for some fun episodes. Yeah. Um, um, so just a couple of final notes, not final uh-huh. notes, yeah. just little, little observations that I had that didn't really fit into the conversations we were having. I did oddly really love when Angelus first shows up to Spike and Drusilla and Drusilla realizes that he's like, you know, quote unquote himself again. And she just gets so excited about how their little family is together. I yes. mean, it was just really cute. Like I get it. And I know that they're the villains, but I mean, that is one of the reasons, right? Like why these things are so much fun to watch is it's like, they're not just there being evil, they have their whole own thing going on. And it just was really sweet. Like I loved, I mean, I do love Drusilla. Like she's, yeah. She's like almost like panting. Yeah. Like a dog. That's excited (laughs) to see its like owner come back. Like she's like calling him my angel and like she's smiling and she's happy. And like Spike takes a little bit longer to kind of catch up, but like Mm -hmm. Drew like right away is like, yeah, this is angel. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, that's why these are such memorable characters is they're allowed to be characters. Mm -hmm. Like they definitely have personality traits and they're weird and they're memorable. And like the other thing about that scene that is so weird is like, you know, she's talking about their family back together and Spike's kind of like, asking Angel, like, why are you focused on the Slayer? Like, just kill her or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, now we can go somewhere else and have a good time or whatever. But, like, the whole time they're having this conversation, like, Spike is also, like, has his hands on Drusilla's stomach. Like, she's pregnant. Oh, weird. But, of course, she's not. But, like, it's so weird. Like, it's, like, their mannerisms are just bizarre. And, like, that's part of what makes them so, like, indelible is, like, those little tiny, like, ticks. Yeah. They really do come up with a lot of that. So that must have been James Marsters and, um... Juliet Landau just yeah. coming up with those weird ticks, at least most of them. Um, but yeah, okay. Another another weird thing is that when Buffy and Angel were fighting, you know, in the like movie theater section, I was like, oh, what are all those movie posters? And they were all Quest for Camelot. <laughs> I don't think there were any other movie posters. I wonder if that was, you know, I meant to look it up and I didn't, but I, which could be like the crest of this show. Uh, I wonder if that must have been something that the studio was producing so they like could show it without any issues, you know, Maybe. Like, literally at least know. two out of the three posters that you could see at all were quest for Camelot. I think the other ones were never in focus. <laughs> this is like, what a, what a random thing. I forgot that even existed. I don't think I ever saw it, but like, it's just some animated, like the animated movie from the nineties. Huh? Just a weird thing. Yeah. Um, so a couple other things that I, wanted to notice was one that David Boreanaz is like obviously having a blast. Oh my God. Yeah. He's not playing tortured angel. He's like, he's having fun. Like that scene when he, um, when he first turns evil and he like attacks that woman, but she's like smoking. Yeah. And so he bites her neck and then he blows the smoke. It's It's just so fun. (laughs) Okay. Kids smoking is not cool. Okay. Don't smoke. But like that scene is so cool. It is. And it's just like, also what a clever thing to just, I don't know. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of up in the same range as, like, what what interesting tools can Buffy use to stake vampires? Like, what interesting things can we do with people sucking blood out of necks? Yeah. I mean, no, it doesn't I make really any sense, it. obviously, because, like, no. those are the smokes in her lungs, but, like, whatever. I'm willing to, like, yeah. overlook that. <laughs> like, um, but then also, like... Um, 
So I was kind of wondering, so the thing about when this aired, um, oh, yeah. is that, so these, you know how, when I was talking about, um, what's my line and I was wondering mm-hmm. if they aired like back to back and they didn't, they mm-hmm. actually aired like a week apart, mm-hmm. but these two actually aired not back to back on the same night, but they, they aired on a Monday and a Tuesday mm-hmm. night. Um, because this was when the show was shifting to Tuesday nights from Monday nights um, to become a lead-in for this new show called Dawson's Creek. <laughs> um, but they aired back-to-back, so it's kind of like they're signaling, like, you know, we're on a new night and, like, it's a new era mm-hmm. like, with, like, Evil Angel. Like, I don't think that the timing was accidental. No. Um, so it's interesting. But I was really wondering, like, and I, I haven't really read a lot about it, and I don't know if it would even be easy to find... Um, but I really wonder what the initial reaction was when this aired. Well, like, it had the most viewers out of, I think, any episode that ever it's aired. It's the most viewed episode yeah. of the entire show. But so I, I also wonder, good. like, that's what a good point. was, like, you know, were hmm. there chat rooms? Like, what we, like, I remember people talking about the finale of this mm-hmm. season. And that was kind of when I became more aware that there, there was a TV show mm-hmm. about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not just the movie. But, like, I really don't know, like, hmm. what the reaction was when this aired like if people were like oh you know it's only gonna last a couple episodes mm-hmm. like it's not it's a good question you know. and then again it's like then you think it's gonna work out and it's gonna be fine but then right. you know I mean, it's not like, yeah it's not yeah so I was just really wondering like watching this like I'm like watching this for the first time and like not having the um you know the historical knowledge of like where this show mm-hmm. goes and like it must have been so cool. I'm like yeah, so jealous. Yeah, I know. Me too. People who got to watch it that yeah. way. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, um, okay, but also another thing I really hated. Just these. I'm like going through like my random notes mm-hmm. that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, a thing that I hate in TV is when characters <gasps> have sex. Yes. And then yes, I have this in my notes too. Another character is like, you look different. Yes. Like <laughs> it's so annoying. You can't tell anything. <laughs> Unless so she walked in in her lingerie with her hair yeah. tousled, you can't see anything. You're the same person. And like, so her mom kind Ugh. of does that with her. Like, yeah. what's oh, wrong? I, really hated look, that too. I don't know. And like, yeah. there's this episode of Veronica Mars where that happens yes. too. And also, and always, in, also, when like, real women have curves, Ugh, I hate it. Yeah, it's it's like drives me up the wall. But me too. Ugh, yeah. In um, otherwise. Flawless episode. That stands <laughs> yeah. out to me as well. As also just a personal pet peeve. I just do not like that. Um, can we talk about Willow's terrier sweater? <laughs> I know well, we haven't really was... talk, talked about the fashion much lately, but there in the first episode, Willow is wearing a like heavy knit sweater with a pattern of a terrier on it. It was awful. I would a hundred percent wear it if I could find it, but like it was terrible. <laughs> I miss that because I think I was more focused on Buffy's giraffe pants. Oh, God, so, yeah. A giraffe is a bizarre animal print to wear. I guess right? I just, Those were giraffe print yeah, pants, right? right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Anyway. It's, I mean, the fashion is, like, generally better. Like, just in, like, a season, it's mm-hmm. made, like, such a huge jump. But, like. Yeah, sometimes still, like, Buffy wears things, and I'm like, mm, no, Yeah, and sometimes they really go over their... Uh, really make an effort to make Willow look silly. I'm like, I don't, yeah. I mean, sometimes I buy it. I, I buy her general aesthetic, but like some of these choices, I just don't think she would do. Yeah. Um, so another thing, I, this is a question for you. So they do, um, they realize they're going to have to like pull like an all nighter, like figuring out what's going on with the judge and like how to stop him and everything. Mm-hmm. And they do this thing they call oh, it yeah. Robin mm-hmm. where they call it, 
Have you ever done that? Like, God, I feel no. like that would never work with my parents. Um, I think it probably would have worked if I had really wanted to. I just hated breaking rules, so I never would have done it. <laughs> but I mean, like, this is kind of this trope of television where, like, the parents never know where the kids are. Yeah. And, like, it's like they don't care. But it's like they're kind of like, like, Xander's, like, calling his parents and he's like oh I have to go to Willow's we're gonna study all night like okay one well, I wasn't allowed to sleep over at anyone's house on a weeknight I was two, just gonna say yeah I also wasn't allowed to stay out late studying like one time I got in a lot of trouble for staying at a friend's house like an hour late finishing mm-hmm. a project and my mom like came over and was like yelling at me it was so embarrassing yeah I still to this day do not understand yeah why she got so mad about that like I was like doing a project yeah for school. yeah but like yeah I, I like, would have gotten in trouble for staying out too late too I did. Yeah, so I'm like taking that and then trying to put it into this situation, and I'm like, this is one of those TV things that is just like it. That that is true, but I will say that in this, at least in in terms of Willow and Xander, I think it totally makes sense. Like Xander probably didn't even have to call his parents, nor did Willow, because like they both, you know, we will see multiple times that their parents are not at all paying attention to them. I think, but I'm saying so. I think in in the canon, it does make sense that they would be able to easily get away with this. Because as long as their mom, you know, like Willow's mom is so focused on her own issues, as long as you can like check a box that says like Willow is doing a thing, so I don't have to think about it anymore. I but, mean, it's just like one of those things I think where it's like in order to not have to cast parents on TV shows, mm-hmm. they just make characters have really shitty parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Also, um, I do. We didn't really talk about it too much, but Xander's little fantasy of the future where oh yeah um Buffy and Angel are together but Angel like the you know the passions worn off because Buffy's uh-huh. like a he, Angel has a like has a, a blood belly a, yeah like a, <laughs> and um I don't know Buffy's working surprise and, and Xander like swoops in to buy her like a prime rib dinner or yeah. something it's like pathetic this is what he thinks about at night like yeah it's so disturbing on so many levels like he also uh, it, i think it must have been in the same scene but or maybe it was just close thereafter but at the beginning of surprise you know but they haven't heard from buffy in a while and he once again like insists that oh you guys won't do anything about this well i'll go save her like what are you gonna do sander he finally convinces will to go with him which is like i don't i don't know about that but yeah it's just like he's still I mean, this but there far was a moment where continue uh, sorry <laughs> i was waiting for you to go <laughs> i'm just saying oh. he's still this far into the show still pulling this like machismo attitude of like i can go i'm the one who has to go save buffy i'm the one that she's waiting for like she's not waiting for you dude she doesn't need you at all <laughs> that's true yeah and i i'm still bothered by that and i still like just don't understand why he doesn't get over that but at the same time like he does kind of have this nice moment where you realize like he he's always talking this way but like he is kind of prepared to back it up like you know he is he is the one ready to go off and save her and Giles is kind of like I was I would have saved you Mm -hmm. like you know he you know but also in that scene in the hallway when Angel shows up and he's got Willow that's true like he does like he takes the cross from his calendar and like he's willing to like I mean Angel could snap his neck I was just gonna say ultimately it's just stupid he's not making good choices but I you're right Credit where credit's due, he is pretty brave and willing to back I, up his his silly notions. Do you notions. think that where we see him go from talk to action always, it's, it's, I don't know if this is intentional or it's just because of who always ends up, like, in trouble, but, like, he always is talking about saving Buffy, but in action, he always ends up saving Willow. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, that is going to happen many more times. Hmm. Yeah, and it's already happened many times. Like, mm-hmm. he's always brave when it comes to saving Willow. That's true. Interesting. 
He doesn't even know the depth of his own feelings. <sighs> because he's a, he's got gross emotional problems. <laughs> God, Allison Hannigan is just so good. I love watching her do those. I love watching her emote. Like, always. It's always good. If she's being charming and happy, it's adorable. If she's being sad, it's devastating. Like, I just 100% works on me. Oh, oh my god. And we but didn't... My heart is still swooning over her scene with Oz. No, that's oh. true. And the other thing that, I like... I want to watch again and again <laughs> and tell him that he could be her date. <laughs> the other... I mean, we touched on both of these very briefly, but I do want to, you know, as much as, like, I, I kind of... We've said, like, right, this, this, uh, these episodes are, are hard to watch. They're really emotional. There's a lot of just, like, deep sadness happening. But I really love the ending where Giles, like Giles' speech to Buffy is just like, it couldn't be more perfect. He, he, I think probably becomes her father figure in this episode, right? Where he just like gives her the level-headed support that she needs, which is like, why would I judge you for this? You have no way of knowing that this could have happened. And like, I'm not at all disappointed in you. Like you're doing everything to the best of your abilities. And I just like, he's just so supportive. And then again, like it really breaks my heart that like Joyce can't be a part of these things because you know, I, we know, or at least I know that like, she is a really great mother and she would say and do the right things for Buffy. Even when she doesn't know what's going on, she's doing pretty good at, you know, doing the best that she can. But like their scene together is also just like, it's so sad, but it was so sweet to just see them get to be there and to have her like holding her in her arms. Like, that is what she needed at the end of all of this is like to be comforted by her mom, even if she couldn't tell her everything that's going on. No, I, I totally agree with all of that. And also to note that Giles's speech, like he's not totally letting her off the hook. Like he's, he's like, you did, you know, I don't know if I would agree that I, she acted. I don't, yeah, I agree. Whatever, I, but like, but I, but I, but like him telling her like, yes, you, you, ha- you, you had an action and I, it yeah, created exactly, consequences. Exactly. But, yeah, you're taking the words out of my mouth. <laughs> right. But like you, you know, you did this thing and it has consequences, but at the same time, like you're not allowed to beat yourself up too much about this because you only knew what you could know. Mm-hmm. And like all of this, you couldn't have anticipated. And also like part of being a grown up is like, you know, the whole, whole thing is like yeah. it is her birthday. Like she's getting older, and like part of being a grown up is recognizing that sometimes your actions are going to have consequences yeah. that you don't anticipate. But you have to move on, and and also like the people that care about you the most, like they're not going to stop caring about you because you do things that have these consequences, mm-hmm. or that you make mistakes, or that you know, unintended unintended things happen. Like I, it, that that speech is so perfect. I it agree is. with you. Like I think that is the moment where he like crosses the line from like subtly being like a father figure mm-hmm. to like really being like like that's the speech a father would give a daughter who's like upset that she like irrevocably messed something up right you know and and like when he tells know, her that know. he that she has his respect I feel like that doesn't get used enough in like fiction and in tv and stuff right like where people are always talking about whether they love people but like I feel like res- respect it was just such a good choice of words for like he's conveying even more you know that he loves you I mean I don't know not you know I just, I think it was a really, really good choice, choice of, mm-hmm. to be, way to be supportive for her. Is like, he's saying even more than just, I care about you. He's saying like, I genuinely think you're doing a good job. And that's just like, she so needed to hear that. It was the perfect thing to say. And I, I'm so like, I haven't watched in a while, but I'm curious to see like where this goes because Giles is someone who's going to lose things because yeah, of his actions. That's and a good so point. He's right now he's totally on her side, but like, you know, where's he gonna be in a few episodes? Mm-hmm. Um it's you know, right now he's like dad of the year. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but I yeah. Watcher of the year, I suppose. Hmm. 
I mean, and we know he's going to continue to make mistakes. He is going to, you know, I'm, I, I'm thinking right now about helpless next season. The next birthday episode is going to be one where he Mm -hmm. specifically puts her in danger because he hasn't really accepted his own side. Like, I think it's clear that what their relationship is, is very close to father daughter. But I think both of, you know, I think mostly for Giles, he doesn't, he has to get to a place where he says it out loud, you know, or not, not that he's going to say it in such explicit terms, but like, even though that is how they feel, he's still going to sometimes have to wrestle with that and what it means for him as a watcher. Right. Hmm. I mean, like maybe there's a reason watchers don't usually have this kind of relationship. Right. They're slayers. Um, Oh, okay. <laughs> we I should feel, stop. Like, emotionally drained right <laughs> Me now. too. I'm going to go cry. Uh, I go watch um you do not watch ahead. Okay. <laughs> you better not watch ahead anymore. No, I'm not. Okay. I uh, I'm not going to press you for details. No, I'm not. I promise. Okay. I I I have not watched ahead. Mhm. No, I, uh, from what I initially <laughs> admitted to, but, like, since okay. then, I have not okay. watched anymore. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> I'm still firmly in season two. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, um. yeah, with that, I think, I mean, I think we should wrap it up, but if you have something you wanted to talk about. No, I think I went through all my notes. Like, I think I had some, like, you know, scattered thoughts at the end, but I think mm-hmm. I, I kind of addressed all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I mean, you've got this this overarching thing but all these like I mean this is obviously a sweeps episode right like you've Mm -hmm. got a ton of things coming to light and happening and um everything but I think I've said everything I really want to say about it Mm -hmm. um other than I mean this is getting me so excited for the rest of the season and into season three I mean this is like I think I'm a broken record saying this but like we're really into the golden stretch Mm -hmm. of this show um and it, you know, if you're looking at seven seasons, you could argue that it's happening a little early, but this is arguably when, a, like, really good shows hit their stride mm-hmm. is, like, season two. I think so, season yeah. Because everything still feels new enough before you start losing characters mm-hmm. and getting new ones. And, and I love adding new characters, but I think that's always a signal, too, that, like, when you're bringing in fresh blood, it's because it needs a little fresh mm-hmm. enough, but... Hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't have to talk about Dawn yet, so that's fine. I love Dawn. <laughs> Yay, I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> um, um, okay. Okay, so do you have any pop culture this week? Any other recommendations? Um, I have a, a quick one, which okay. is... Uh, I, don't, I don't actually Oh, okay. Well, then let's week. skip it yeah. because we're already old. All right, old. This is just gone. Oh. This is a long, long-ish episode. Okay, we'll save them for next yeah, time. because I time. Yeah, I really didn't have anything that I really wanted to plug this week. I've been spending um, all week re-listening to The Adventure Zone so that I can listen to the finale, which came out yesterday. That was the one that I talked about last week, the D&D podcast. But yeah. it's just been, it's been going on for so long that I was like, I genuinely, I just, I don't want to just listen to the finale without being in the right headspace. So since I was off today, that was like what I, I did like five hours of laundry listening to five hours of The Adventure Zone. That was a good day. <laughs> Sounds like a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then let's see. Next time we've got phases, which is a very awesome oh. episode. Very exciting. Oh my god! And then um, bewitched, bothered, and bewildered. I like that one too. I yes, like both of those. So okay. Well, although yeah, we get to talk about a Xander nice a lot. Little breather. Like Angel is still in the background, mm-hmm. but he's not going to be the focus of this next two. So that's. Kind of a night. I mean, I feel like I need a breather. Me after, too. After yeah. Watching these two. No, I agree with you. Um, yeah. So those will be next week, and then um, 
Yeah, and then we're only going to have um, six more episodes mm-hmm. left of the season. So I feel like the season's going really fast. Yeah. Well, we'll get to record one together. Yes. Not the next one, weeks. but two weeks. Yeah. yeah. I know. I was actually looking at the calendar, and I was like, wow, wouldn't it be really cool if it worked out that we were watching the finale together? Yeah. Um, but we're we're going to miss it by, like, two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so not actually that close. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are, but we are, but we are gonna, we are gonna get, gonna get to record passion and okay. killed by death together. Oh. One of those yeah. I'm excited to talk about. I don't remember what killed by death is, but okay. Uh, you will. Oh, <laughs> it's not okay. one of my favorite episodes. Know. Based on, yeah, it has a creepy monster, but it, other than that, it's kind of mm-hmm. a weird episode, I think. Um, okay. Okay, but yeah. as for this week, I'm going to firmly, I think, I think I'm going to be I Team was, Giles Okay, I was going to do that, but I'll, I'll be Team Willow. Also, I'm going to just start mixing it up, too. Well, because, we can be both All right, be let's team be Team Giles. Giles. That's a great speech he gave at the end. Yeah. It really was. I mean, he, and he did not no. have an easy week either. Like, it's he true. lost his girlfriend, so. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Well, I'll see you next week. I'll t- I always say that. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> I will see your voice next week. Bye. (laughs) Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. Commentary.com.